Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, everybody out there. Welcome back to Positively Wrestling. I am Tim Kennard, and of course, as always, the heel to my baby face, the brain to my gorilla, the dark to my order. Yeah, okay, we'll go with it. Uh, Steven Davidson, how's it going today, Steve? Uh, it's one of those days. I went running. It was 40 degrees outside. Came home, had snacks for lunch. My girlfriend sends me messages showing me what she's having for lunch. It's like, oh, I'm having lentils and a nice salad and chicken breast. And I'm like, I'm eating popcorn. But, <laughs> you know, a lot going on. I don't have the time to cook in the middle of the week. Neither does she really, but she pulls it off somehow. But yeah, in other words, I'm fine. How are you, Tim? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I, um, I had a very lovely lunch of a turkey sandwich. It wasn't the glamorous popcorn that you had, but that uh, right. But, but still a good day. Um, <laughs> welcome, everybody. We're happy that, to have you back. I uh, hope you've been enjoying uh, the show so far. And uh, we're going to kick things off, as always, this week with our three-count segment, which uh, it was uh, Stephen's turn to challenge last week. I'll let you get us into it and start with your number three. All right. Well, the challenge was favorite commentators of all time. And we're talking, we're talking full-time commentators here. Um, got a lot of responses online from from some of you all and um got some good ones i heard a lot of mauro ronaldo he got a lot of love heard obscure ones like kent walton from the world of sports um heard a lot jim ross was in there um lord alfred hayes that was a good one um yeah so thank you for for letting us know and uh keep doing that in the future so we appreciate your your interactivity and, and talking to us. It's, it's fun. It makes it more fun for us too. So um, I hope you keep that up for me. My number three um, is someone we've talked about on the show before. And from a, from a technical standpoint, if you, is there a such thing as technical commentating? Probably not. Uh, you might classify that as like uh, when you talk about in the commentators, cause there's, you know, kind of the straight man, then there's the color commentator. Um that gives a little bit more of the panache, but then you've got the commentator that knows all the moves, knows all the technicalities about the match and how it works. So I guess you could say, yes, there are technical commentators. Okay. Well, he wasn't that, but he was still one of my favorites as a kid. And my number three had to be gorilla monsoon. Uh, uh, if it wasn't for gorilla, I would have never known the phrase occipital protuberance. <laughs> I, I still don't know what it is. I know what it occipital is i know what a protuberance is but i i've never been able to find my occipital protuberance uh i don't know am i a freak am i supposed to have one and don't uh i am not the person to ask uh, okay. <laughs> i don't <All> know right. <laughs> i, I could have just looked it up i guess um but gorilla was always so much fun and him yelling at bobby heenan all the time will you stop i'll, I'll never get that out of my head um I, and i don't want to because it was it just he was one of the big voices of my childhood and yeah, he didn't, he didn't call all the moves and he made up a lot of things and, and it was just fun and uh, great memories of gorilla. And again, we, we got to meet him. If you haven't listened to our King of the ring, 1996 show, 
uh, go back into the archives. We have archives. Yes. (laughs) Go back into the archives and check that out. And you can hear our story about meeting Gorilla Monsoon. And yeah, so Gorilla was my number three. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gorilla. Um, I almost put him on my list. Um, but my number three um, is actually Paul Heyman. Like I say, I love uh, when Paul Heyman talks, I listen, and whether that's commentary or a promo, and I liked his commentary. Some people thought it was a little brash, a little harsh, if you will, um, as some of the critiques he's received, I guess, you know, specifically from Stephanie McMahon uh, on one of the documentaries that he doesn't sometimes let the story breathe. He just talks a lot. Um, But I've always enjoyed his insights whenever he talks about uh, pro wrestling in any way. So that's why he made my number three. Awesome. I especially love like when he first, uh, when ECW first folded and he came over to WWE and it was him and JR Mm -hmm. on, on commentary, which was a nice callback because uh, he would do commentary with JR way back in the early like NWA WCW days mm-hmm. um, when he first did commentary before he started the whole um, Paul E. Dangerously persona. Right. Um, but yeah. So yeah, love Paul Heyman. Loved him on commentary. Just love everything that man does. <laughs> and he was he was great. Speaking of his pairing with JR, he was so good at making JR legitimately angry while they were out there making the call and it, it added so much to the show. Um, and Jim Ross is my number two. So Jim Ross is my number two. Um, he, he was the opposite of gorilla in terms of being able to, I don't know if opposite might be a strong word, but he, he was more is more of the type that brings a legitimate sport feel to the presentation. Um, when he's not, you know, being forced to kiss Vince McMahon's ass in the middle of the ring, yeah. he's allowed to just do what he does. Uh, he makes it feel real and he makes it feel like you're watching an actual sport, at least as much as he can, depending on what he's being forced to call. Um, he, he knows what he's talking about. He understands how to tell the story and how and when to let the story tell itself. He knows when to lay out. He knows when not to. Uh, he, there's nothing he doesn't know. Um, and in terms of performance and how, how to get the point across. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, if Gorilla was one of the voices of my childhood, uh, Jim Ross has been one of the voices of my adulthood. And so he's just, he's come and gone, but he's never been gone for too long. And so he's kind of always been around and, uh, it's hard for me to say anything bad about Jim Ross. I agree. And it's that. Uh... I can let you know my number two is also Jim Ross. There we go. We got some crossover this week in our, in our uh, three count, but yeah, uh, always love good old JR, man. Um, He, again, voice of a generation and the man's career has spanned for so long in the business, but yeah, most of us around our age are more familiar with basically the attitude era. I mean, you can go back and you can see, when he was, uh, you know, wearing that toga at WrestleMania, was that nine? nine. Yep. Yep. <laughs> wow, what a WrestleMania! Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, always loved his pairing with the King. Um, always thought that was so good. Definitely the voice of the '90s, pretty much. 
uh, between the two of them for those Monday night wars. And yeah, he's left a few times. He's had different positions as well as commentator between talent relations and everything else. Um, but he always comes back to commentary and like currently right now he's over in AEW still good old JR still calling it the way you expect to hear it. And Honestly, having JR and Tony Schiavone on commentary is one of the things that convinced me to even watch AEW to begin with. Yeah. Just hearing those voices that I, I enjoyed hearing so much years ago and throughout the years, depending on what yeah. you're talking about. And I mean, even with even though Schiavone didn't make my top three, but I still like Schiavone as a commentator and I like the tandem of him and JR. But yeah, yeah. really love JR uh, throughout his career. That's why he's my number two. All right. All right. Well, my number one, this was easy for me. Because I've known for years that this guy has been my my favorite commentator of all time. And my number one could not be anybody but Jesse the Body Ventura. Ah. Love me some of the body. He he was just such a classic heel commentator, but he was so smart about it. And and he, he would call out the stuff that Vince probably didn't want him to. He would call out when Hulk Hogan was cheating. And he'd point it out. And you know what? He'd be right. Mm-hmm. He, he, he rarely outright lied. He would twist to give it a heel slant, but he would do so in an intelligent way where even as a kid, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I think he's got a point a little bit here. Uh, and that's tricky to do. You got to be good. You've got to be smart. And um, he, he was, and he was so good at just ruffling McMahon's feathers or ruffling gorilla's feathers or fur as the case may be. <laughs> and he, he just, the, one of the things he always said is I tell it like it is McMahon. And that's exactly what he did. He, he, he told it the way he saw it and he, he's still out there telling it the way he sees it. That's true. And um, what, what a, what a special talent he was. Um, he, his wrestling career finished right around the time I started watching. So I never really got to see him wrestle other than going back and watching some old tapes. But uh, so I knew him as a commentator more than anything. And I enjoyed every minute and uh, commentary took a serious hit for me when he left. Uh, yeah. Uh, the body was awesome. Jesse, the body Ventura. I always loved the way that he uh, would really emphasize Macman when he'd yeah, say Mac it to me. That's what's going on, McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, lo- he was that that perfect heel commentator um, that would agitate you. Again, would always point out the cheating of the baby faces, much to the chagrin of the crowd yeah. and McMahon himself. But yeah, no, and excuse love- the cheating of the heels. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, no, he had every right to do that. Yeah, And, was- and somehow be believable in both ways. Yes. So, yeah, he was so great. Um, well, going from one heel commentator to another, my number one, of course, and we mentioned we mentioned him every single episode, and it is the brain, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, um, I've always been been a Heenan fan, both as a manager and as a commentator. Uh, he has that nice blend of humor that he throws in there with the way he gets so worked up. Um, and I will say one of my favorite calls that he ever made is when he was in WCW bash at the beach, I believe it's 94, uh, or 95. I have to go back and look to make sure the one where Hogan turns to the NWO, that big one, I think it was 96. Oh, 96. I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm way too early. Uh, 96. And, um, just the way 
you know, he kind of almost lets the cat out of the bag as Hogan's on the way down the ramp. He's like, what if he's the third man? What, what are you talking about? What? He's the third man. And it was, and like Shivani was like dumbfounded. <laughs> it was like, what, what are you saying? <laughs> Cause I don't know who knows if they even knew. You're right. If that was the plan or if they let them go, I like to think that they don't tell them yeah. so they can get a, a, a genuine reaction from them. Yeah in those big moments. Well, and I kind of like that too, because by him saying that, it almost makes you say, well, he's not going to be the third man because he said he's the third man. Yeah. Anytime they say something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. That's one thing that drives me crazy when somebody, when a commentator, someone on commentary says, well, this match is over that we're going to have a new champion. And then of course, you know, no, you're not. Yeah. Um, So I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and another one of my favorite calls is earlier, I think it was another Bash at the Beach where Flair met Hogan mm-hmm. um, when Hogan first came over to WCW and it was for the, the world title. And you can hear Heenan when Hogan wins starting to cry just because mm-hmm. he knew what a moment it was um, for that company being, you know, the rival to WWE And just the moment that we finally got to see Flair and Hogan go at it because we got kind of cheated out of that in WWE. Yeah. Should have happened at WrestleMania 8. Yes. Um, And I, and again, I've just always loved the character he brings. He was just such a great character. Uh, And even when they first uh, started raw and he was trying to sneak in the building (laughs) and stuff like he just always had great little character work. But yeah, not my number one. Yep. Bobby the Brain Heenan. My yeah, he, he was great at everything. Everything that he did, he was great. And yeah, I almost put him on my list and I decided to to lean with Gorilla instead. Um, I mean, no real reason for it. Um, he definitely almost almost made my list. I guess I just uh, more thought of him as a manager over a commentator a little bit, but he did plenty of both. And yeah, he, uh, definitely deserving of a number one spot. Good, good call. Yes. All right, what's uh, your challenge? My challenge for next week. For next week, and you made me forget. <laughs> I make you. Oh, because we were just talking about, it and I just completely blanked on it. Now, uh, my challenge is: what I want your top three favorite gimmick matches. Like the gimmicks themselves, no, or your, specific your, matches. Your top three specific matches that were a gimmick match of some okay. sort. Okay. 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 Um, okay i figure with war games coming up it's a nice little tie-in um Mm -hmm. but uh i think that would be an interesting one okay uh just for clarification so what would classify as a gimmick match would would anything beyond a two-on-two tag match be a gimmick match or would there have to be some sort of special rules beyond that uh i I think special rules beyond that something that makes like it can be a tag match, but it's got to be like some sort of special tag match. Okay. Like now it could be a tornado tag because right. that is a gimmick match. Okay. But um, like a 10 man tag wouldn't be. A, no, I, I unless kinda, it was a war games or something like that. Yeah. Unless it's something like that, okay. um, but just standard tag rules, just with a bunch more people that doesn't count, but an elimination yeah. match would. Yes. An elimination match would. All right. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of broad range there. Okay. All right. I'll get to thinking. All right. Well, we're going to get into the show proper. And of course, um, uh, having to start out with sad news, um, passing of Bob Ryder, 
Um, of course, born October 1956, passed away on November 24th of this year. Um, he was a pro wrestling journalist and one of the founders of Impact Wrestling. Um, and I, I know of Bob, and, but I'm not a, a, a huge historian into everything he did. Um, is there stuff that you would like to speak to? Yeah, I don't know his entire career, but I know that when I first got online, when the internet was first, when wrestling internet was first becoming a big thing, I had two main sources of news that I came to know and trust and understand that, oh, these two places are legit. And one was Scoops, run by Al Isaacs, Mm -hmm. and the other was OneWrestling.com, run by Bob Ryder. Mm-hmm. And um, so every day I was going to Bob Ryder's website and, and just reading his stuff. You know, the internet was was new and it was just this whole new thing for, for wrestling fans. And it was so exciting and fresh. And and he was just a huge part of the early days of that for me and for so many people. Um, and yeah, I, I hadn't thought a whole lot about him in recent years, you know, since one wrestling kind of went away and I moved on and found my news other places. Um but yeah, he was every, every day. He was a part of my life for so long, just uh, bringing me the the behind the scenes stuff. And yeah, so I was just very familiar with that and uh, with him through that avenue. And uh, just in the in the comments that wrestlers have been making uh, over the past week, nobody said a bad thing. Um, so seems like he was a really good guy, and just such a shame. Yeah. Um... He truly was uh, an innovator at the time when the internet and wrestling fandom kind of finally merged and those sites started popping up. He was one of the first and just ran with it and was great at it. And you're right. Like there, you never really, cause you, you hear stories all the time with people who don't like, um, you know, like after or, or you know Meltzer, Meltzer, um, and some of the other ones uh, that do it. You know, there's a lot of hate that goes on there. But you didn't ever really hear a bunch of that with Ryder. There weren't really a lot of people, even you know, when he was alive and in the thick of doing it, you didn't get a lot of backlash or read about it that much, right. or you know, big inaccuracies. He seemed to be one of the most reliable sources um, for that backstage insight. Yeah. So yeah, he will be missed. Um, again. You know, condolences go out to the families. Um, and I mean, it is it is a, a big loss for, you know, wrestling and its history mm-hmm. in the community. Yep. Um, so moving on from, you know, starting with, with with sad news, we are going to move on here to a little bit of AEW talk. Um, of course, last week's uh, Dynamite setting things up for tonight's episode, which is uh, I call it the road to winter. I believe, or winter is coming or, you know, trademark, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Can we say that? Uh, well, we can say it. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> we just can't reference that it's in connected to anything. <laughs> but um, uh, of course we got more set up for uh, the big championship match. That's going to be going on tonight. Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Yeah. And they did another uh, contract signing on the episode and they just, they did this one just perfectly. Like last week we had Moxley getting attacked. And then this time Moxley just came out and beat the crap out of Omega. <laughs> the, the silhouette as, <laughs> as Kenny Omega was about to come out, that 
was <laughs> tremendous. Yes. Uh, yeah, very, very well done. I, and- I had to applaud them. My dad can beat up your dad. Oh, it made me think of, uh, I mean, that was, they had to know. They had to know it was a reference to a Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect promo at King of the Ring, 1993, when they were about to go out for the semifinal match. And they were going back and forth about, about Larry the Axenig and Stu Hart. Oh. And, and they were, <laughs> my dad, your dad never beat my dad. My dad did beat your dad. Yeah, it ha- they had to know. They had to know. And I, I swear that had to be a reference to that promo. Had no idea. That is tremendous. Yeah. That is tremendous. That it makes it even more awesome. Yeah. So really, really looking forward to that match tonight. Again, my call is I, I, I think he drops the title, but who knows? Yeah, I, I, you know, AEW hasn't been around long enough to really have a sense for me for, for Tony Khan's booking and this sort of thing. This is kind of a new precedent for them having a big title match like this on, on their free TV show. So yeah, I don't know if if he's more the type to to make the big moment happen on free TV to get more eyes on their regular product on a week to week basis, or if he's more the type to use it to set up for a big pay per view match later. So I, man, I can't decide which way to lean on this one. It's a tough call for me. I need I need more more data. I'm a statistician. Yeah. I need more data. My sample <laughs> is not large enough, Tim. <laughs> well, maybe in another year we'll have some patterns down and we yeah. can, can guess more correctly. But uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous match either way. I can't wait. These guys are going to just wrestle the lights out of that building. I'm Whatever it sure. is, we'll be talking about it next week, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Uh, keeping with some AEW. Uh, and speaking of title matches, uh, we had uh, Shida, Hikaru Shida, defending her women's championship against Anna Jay. I know you had something specific about this that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, here's what I don't understand about the ranking system. So they have this ranking system to make it feel more like a legitimate sport, but the number five contender is getting a title shot. Why have a ranking system if the number five contender is getting a title shot instead of the number one contender? It doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I'm with you on that. I think uh, I think it was a good idea that they were trying to run with when they launched the promotion so they could feel different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they've just kind of gotten lost a little bit in it and haven't quite figured out how to book it, to make it right, to make it work. Yeah. You've got to reconcile a real life idea of a ranking system with a fictional world of professional wrestling. And it, it's tough to make those two things mesh. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like you could have had Anna Jay taken on Hikaru Shida and it'd be non-title. Yeah. And then that could have, and you could have, you know, however the finish you want to do it, Anna Jay wins, that moves her up for a future title shot. Mm-hmm. You know, if it makes her climb the rankings, that would make or, more sense to me. Or Anna Jay could have beaten the number one contender. Or yes, yes, in a different match, yeah. That way you don't sacrifice your your champion in a match. True. Uh, true. Who is the number one contender? I don't even, uh not sure. I, I well, it was Nyla Rose. Yeah, that makes sense. And then she lost, but I don't know where she falls because of that loss. That's the one thing I I haven't quite gripped in how they do things. Is when mm-hmm. you lose your championship match, do you lose your number one contender spot? Right. Or, or do you still yeah. sit in it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. What about Abaddon coming out and licking the title? That was uh, yeah, that was. I, I haven't seen that before in wrestling. That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, like one of the bushwhackers. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'm confused. I'm as confused about that as you are. I, although I did think this was uh, a decent match. It, uh, it, it was okay. Anna, Anna Jay has a long way to go, but Hikaru Shida definitely made the best of it and, and pulled, I think, as good a match as you can get out of Anna Jay right now. Yeah. Out of, out of Anna Jay. The Abaddon thing, I like the Abaddon character. I like what they're doing. But again, they, they didn't think about long-term booking because Abaddon's first match was a loss to Hikaru Shida on Dark. Yep. So we've already got her losing. And so now Hikaru Shida is supposed to be terrified of someone that she's already beaten. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. So little little long-term planning could could and having not necessarily debuting people with losses all the time um could could maybe not not that they do it all the time but they've done it enough and here it's kind of hurting the program a little bit but not to the point where they can't recover or or make something out of it and that's really going to come down to the talent i think the talent will will do that but just something to to keep in mind you know if, if wins and losses are going to matter then it's going to be hard to take someone who has suffered a loss and present them as a, a top unbeatable, unconquerable threat. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to do. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, keeping with some more AEW and my favorite uh, AEW spot or segment, we'll say of uh, dynamite last week was uh, the Taz and Cody stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very, very interesting. Um Cool seeing the Taz mission get locked in again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Obviously, it looks like they're building towards, and I, I don't know, they may have announced it, and I just missed it, um, a possible tag or six-man match at tonight's show um, with, uh, of course, now the powerhouse Will Hobbs mm-hmm. and that heel turn, which was done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I, to I like him. Is that his real name? I don't know. I don't know if that's his real name or... I, just, uh, I don't like the last name. It makes me think of Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> well, if a big tiger comes out <laughs> with him or a stuffed one, at least they'll be tongue-in-cheek with it. Yeah. Um, it could be the one that uh, the uh, Black Scorpion made disappear decades ago. <laughs> it reappears with, with Hobbes. With Hobbes. Now that is long-term storytelling. <laughs> that's right. From one promotion to another, that's, that's from forethought. But it was interesting how this segment set up because Taz comes out and he takes control of the ring, starts talking. He's like, I want a member of management. I want somebody in management out here right now and kind of hold Karen. Okay, Karen. Yeah, just holding up the show. And then we get Cody wearing the headset coming out. And it's interesting how they uh, are are presenting this, Um, you know, peeling back the the curtain, so to speak. Because here you have Cody, who is an in-ring performer who was TNT champion and all this stuff. And everybody knows he is part of management in AEW. They have never really hidden that fact. Right. Uh, but the fact that it really bled over into the show, I thought was interesting. Um, and Taz, of course, wanted respect to be put on the FTW title. It needs to mean something, you know. And then, of course, it got personal <laughs> with Cody mentioning Hook, which is the ring name for Taz's son. <laughs> um who is training and Cody's actually the one training him. And he kind of called that out and then Taz went to leave, then put him in the Taz mission. And then we had some run in saves the Hobbs heel turn and there you go. So, yeah, 
What, what do you think about non-wrestlers getting a physical advantage over current wrestlers? Oh, that, at least Taz has the history of being a badass. Yeah. You know, and with the Taz mission, if you catch somebody off guard, you know, that could be believable. Yeah, it's um, a choke. You know, it's a choke. So uh, now typically I don't know that, you know, it, again, I think it depends on the situation. Um. It depends on if that person is physically intimidating enough to look like they could overpower or get a fast one in on somebody. Um, you know, obviously, you know, David Arquette didn't work. Um, Lawrence Taylor did because he was a f- pro football player. He was a big guy. You know, I thought that worked, but, it, you know, it just depends yeah. for me. No, I think it worked I, I in this situation. Yeah, I I, I agree, uh, especially with Taz. I mean, he's he's no longer active, but he's still got the physicality, and he's not ancient. It's not like he's, you know, a septuagenarian wandering around over here putting people in Taz missions. Like he he can still he's he's believable enough that maybe he wouldn't you know win a match against Cody, but yeah, a sneak attack from behind. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, just curious on your thoughts. Oh, no problem. Um, anything else from AEW you'd like to spotlight? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. Well, we are going to move from AEW into stardom, and I will let you take that away. Yeah, just uh, talked last week about the possibility of, of stars kind of splitting and looking like a little more evidence of that. Um, at the upcoming show on December 20th, where Utami defends against Momo, uh, we've got a six-person tag, stars versus stars. We've got Mayu Watani teaming up with uh, Starlight Kid and and um, Gokigan Death in an elimination match against the trio I've been talking about, Tom Nakano and Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka. So it's those three, Tom and Mina and Unagi, who are who are kind of inseparable, I mean, unless they're having singles matches. But if if they're in a tag match, it's with each other. And that's not always, it's not usually the way it works with these units that we have in stardom. Usually they're always mixed and matched. Um, so yeah, I just find it interesting. And even, even um, earlier, a, a couple of days ago, after a tag match, we had, um, uh, who was it? Natsuko Tora. Natsuko Tora got on the mic and, and said to Mayu Watani, uh, I'm worried about you. Are you, uh, are you losing your friends? And so I'm wondering, it's not uncommon to have units face each other in matches um in entry units so people from the same unit facing each other matches not uncommon again it is presented more like a real sport and so most of the matches are presented for the sake of competition and not because of angles um and so it's not uncommon but there's just a little more to this so i'm i'm still wondering if maybe tom is going to split off with those two maybe find a couple others and form her own fifth unit which tom is fantastic and I think she she deserves more of a spotlight instead of being a, a second banana behind Mayu. I think leading her own unit would be so good for her. Um, and she's in her early 30s, which is not old, but in Japan, it's kind of seen as old sometimes. Um, and I, I hate to say that. I don't agree with it, but it's kind of the way it is. And so if she's going to get the spotlight and maybe hopefully one day get a run with the, with the red belt, I think we need to get a move on. And I, I'd like to see that. Um, Natsupoi also had a big win. Natsupoi, that's her nickname, although it's her official ring name now. She used to be known as um, 
Natsumi Maki, and she had a run in Stardom before, years ago. And she was more of a comedy wrestler. Now she's with Julia's uh, Donna Del Mondo unit, and she always she didn't seem like she fit in there to me. She her personality is so different from the others in Donna Del Mondo, and uh, her her credibility I didn't feel she had the same level of credibility as the other four in that unit. But uh, she got a big win over Saki Kashima, um, who I think should be leading Oedo Tai. I think she's got more personality than Natsuko Tora. Um, Saki's a fantastic heel, but I was surprised to see Natsupoi get a huge clean win over Saki. Um, clean and not not a small package, and it, it wasn't uh, the 88th roll up of the year. It was uh, you know a German suplex, so it was a clean, convincing finish. And so I'm wondering if maybe they're they're building her up and adding to her credibility some too, which would be which would be good. So, uh, yeah, so all eyes are on uh, December 20th. They're kind of killing, killing time in, in a holding pattern till the big show on December 20th, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks like it's, it's going to be a good one. Still, still think Utami's going to beat Momo. But, hey, Momo did beat Io Shirai for the white belt. So if Momo can beat Io, not going to say 100% that Momo's not going to win. But being a first title defense, I still think it's going to be Utami. Well, we'll see. Ah. Uh, definitely sounds interesting. I'm actually... Looking forward to, as you know, uh, we've talked outside of the podcast of my job changing a little bit uh, mm-hmm. coming up, which should ha- give me a little bit more free time to where I can actually sit down and get to experience some more stardom. Excellent. So excited about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. And anything else on stardom? No, again, just kind of in a holding pattern. So uh, they had a show. Uh, they've had two shows in the last three days. And again, they're slow posting them. So uh, I may be behind on stuff, but if so, I'll catch everybody up next week and we'll talk. All right. We're going to move into that uh, from that into um, an excellent, excellent. And they, and they have, and I will say this is one thing that the production team at WWE does very well. And it's these uh, documentary uh, segments and the docu-series. And we had a great one drop over the weekend, which was uh, live forever. Uh, focusing on Liv Morgan. I just got to watch this today. I know you watched it the day it came out, I believe. Yes. Um, and it was just, it was excellently done. I I really, really love to see when you get to see the backstage interactions, uh, like, you know, right before they go out the curtain or right when they come back. Um, uh, the moment, and I know you'll go into more in depth, but when she was waiting to go out for that dark match with Ember Moon and then it gets cut and just the heartbreak and the sadness you see in her for, you know, not being able to go out and do that. And that tells me about the passion that she has for what she's doing. And I really appreciate that. That moment spoke to me too. Um, And yeah, I agree. It definitely showed her passion and you could see how, how, upset she was and ember was too and with good reason but it also showed her understanding of the business and her intelligence when when they informed her it was because vince didn't want to didn't want a crowd to see her in her new incarnation before she'd been on tv in this new incarnation as as i was hearing that and watching it that made perfect sense to me in fact when they were about to go out i was thinking how odd 
this is. Like, I didn't hear about this dark match. And it just, it seems so odd to me that they would have her go out there while vignettes are running, promoting her coming back. Like, it felt weird to me. So I wasn't shocked to hear that as the explanation. And it, it spoke to me that she gets wrestling when she said, you know, maybe it's a good thing. And it means they have something in mind for me because the idea of this podcast part of it is that when people just have a negative gut reaction to stuff, there's almost always another side to it. Mm -hmm. There's almost always another reason for why this horrible thing you think is the worst thing that's ever happened in wrestling is happening. And she saw that other reason, whether she had to have it explained to her first or not, either she saw it on her own or she didn't see it on her own, but she understood it once it was explained to her. And so that just, it solidifies for me how she gets it and she understands it and it shows in the ring and it shows in her performances that she really, really understands it. And she, she's my vote for, for most improved over the past few years um, of any promotion, uh, male, female, whatever. Um, She's, she's come such a long way and her performances are so good. And, you know, I love me some Sasha, but Sasha's eventually got to lose that title. And uh, if she does, well, not if, when she does, I hope it's a while away yet. But when right. she does, um, I, I would like it to be to live. Although I wouldn't argue with Bianca. True, true. But yeah, another part of this uh, docuseries I really enjoyed was seeing the camaraderie between her and Ruby. Um, and uh, and I'm going to blank on her name, but Sarah. Mm-hmm. right yeah yep. Sarah um the riot squad and in, even live you know by her own admission was like you know when she started she didn't really want to be in a tag team but then they just you know life on the road and the tour schedule and the bond that they had um and when she got moved to smackdown originally in the uh, superstar shakeup in 2019 uh you know, you got to see him back there crying. It's like, you know, wow, it's coming to an end and they're breaking him up. Uh, and of course now they've put him back together a little bit uh, with Ruby and her, obviously Sarah, no longer wrestling um, for now, for now. Um, but again, I, again, it's that, it's that behind the scenes stuff. I really dig to see them as real people. Yes. And not just the performer. Yeah. You know, but as a human being that they have emotions and, and, you know, like we say, the feelings and they care about stuff. And again, that's one of the reasons we started the podcast because of people that try to tear that down yeah. and think that that doesn't matter. And it does. Right. And we got to see that she has wanted to wrestle since she was a kid. Yeah. And so this isn't something where she, she was a, a model and someone said, Hey, you should try wrestling. And there's nothing wrong with that either. We've had lots of good, great performers come around that way, come come about that way from Trish Stratus to Alexa Bliss and so on. But um, just seeing that she, it's in her, it's in her heart and it's in her soul uh, just adds another layer to live. And some, so many people are just dismissive of people who are new or who are inexperienced or who are attractive. I've seen it all and not just in wrestling. I mean, right. you know, how, how many, you know, go out and find some 20 some year old, guys and ask them their opinion on Justin Timberlake. What are they going to say? Um, most of them are going to say that he sucks. Um, he, he, he doesn't suck. He's just attractive. And so people hate him. Um, but, uh, and you see that a lot too, with, with 
wrestlers and and other types of performers and not just that but if they're new or if if they're being pushed over someone you like or or something like that people have all sorts of excuses that have nothing to do with actual performance for not liking somebody and uh, i've seen it with Liv and not not a whole lot she's actually really popular online if you look uh, lots of people love her online, but I have seen some of it and it's just unfair. She she loves it and she's getting better and better and better. And she delivers uh, very consistently when she goes out. She's had a couple of really great matches lately. Yes, I agree. Uh, I love the spotlight she got in the Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Um, and I hope that there is just more and more to come. I hope that, you know, them putting this docuseries out there means a push is coming down the pipe and a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I would like to see her holding a singles title, yeah, which would be the women's championship title, unless they ever introduce another one, which hopefully they don't anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want that either. Yeah, I think it would dilute what they already have. That's a discussion for a whole other time. Oh, yeah, that's another yeah. time, but yeah, um, congratulations to Liv on that docuseries. It was great, and you know, we love you here at, at, at Positively Wrestling, and we hope the best and hope you get that good push, mm-hmm. keep doing great stuff. Uh, let's see coming up next on the show as i have to refer back to my notes <laughs> uh, we will go right into smackdown uh from last friday and a good show overall i feel and, and like i say i think smackdown tends to kind of be the better show right now i think it's definitely the better show yeah yeah um it's my favorite weekly wrestling show oh well there you go yeah and i loved the opening with like Jay Uso and Roman Reigns and, you know, Jay, like Roman's the man, he's the king, you know, it, it, he, he's SmackDown, he's WWE. And then Roman come out and just browbeat him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like you embarrass me, son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put disrespect on my name. Um, and then Jay just absolutely destroying Otis. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got I hope that's not a burial. <laughs> Good lord. I doubt it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's more for Jay Jay than Otis, I think. Yeah. Um and then KO, of course, confronting them backstage, telling them to get their stuff together. <laughs> no air your family problems on our TV. Yeah. Which was nice. I, I love Kevin Owens, and it looks like they're they're set, you know, we're getting that set up between reigns and him which yeah. i think is great and yes. it will be a great match yes um and i think it's going to lead hopefully and if if what i hear is true uh, lead us into the rumble which will hopefully be daniel bryan versus roman reigns um i think that's that's the marquee matchup i, I mean i think that could be a wrestlemania matchup yeah I think honestly so. you could save it for that but Part of me, as we're talking about this and, and just the the juices in the head flowing, thinking, you know, he keeps browbeating Jay. What if Jay wins the Rumble? Mm. And Jay challenges him at WrestleMania, especially if you end up having to be empty arena again. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. You know, you got to have the biggest name you can to take on your champion for the marquee value. Mm-hmm. I think more people would be invested, as we saw in the previous pay per views, like Hell in the Cell, about Jay being in that main event and that story. People like that story. 
of that family turmoil. I, I think eventually we've got to have another Jay Roman match. Yeah, eventually now, it has happened. Will it be for a title? For a title, or will someone beat Roman for the title along the way? I don't see that happening anytime soon, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe WrestleMania, maybe not. It may be before WrestleMania. Uh, you know, we have it could be a Rumble match. That's true. Um, or or an Elimination Chamber match, or you know, lots of possibilities. But I definitely think we're we're headed back to another J Roman match at some point we have to, otherwise what's the payoff for, for what we're seeing yeah. right now. Um, Daniel Bryan would be good. It would depend on how they handle his current rivalry with Sami Zayn, which it's hard to get better than Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Just give me, give me as much of this as you want to WWE. I'll take it. Um, those two guys. Yeah. Both, both in my fave five right now. So definitely enjoying that. And Sammy's just such a, great heel and daniel bryan daniel bryan's great at everything he does he can be a great heel as we've seen and he's a great baby face too and he's come so far on the mic he used to not be able to talk and now um he was when he was on talking smack a couple weeks ago man it was intense and it was really good and he he had a plan and he he went on this whole long story about about his family and then got back around to his point in the most intense way possible and he's just so good and so, yeah, give me, give me more. And Kevin Owens too on the mic. Yeah. He, nobody's like, he, he's completely different from everybody else I've ever heard on the mic. Uh, and I, I love to hear him, to hear him talk as much as I, I love to watch him wrestle. I like to hear him talk even more. So uh, yeah, lots of good stuff going on on SmackDown. Yeah. And if you uh, don't regularly check it out, definitely check out Talking Smack. Like say that segment with Brian from a few weeks ago was amazing. The Kevin Owens, Paul Heyman from this past Talking Smack was incredible. Um, And I mean, yeah, we'll kind of just dovetail right into that spectacular match, Zayn and Daniel Bryan from SmackDown. It was incredible. Yeah. These two guys. Yeah. They know how to work. They work very well together. And you're right. As much as I would like to see Daniel Bryan, you know, challenging Roman for the title, I am very, very much invested in a long-term Zane Bryan feud and program. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally down with that. Well, and also Daniel Bryan has to either win that or lose that. Right. And if he wins it, he's the intercontinental champion. So do you want to do a champion versus champion feud or do you want to do two separate things? Do you want to put both titles in one program? And if he loses it, he's already lost to the intercontinental champion. So how does he have the credibility to then go into a heavyweight title feud? So it'd be tough either way after having a, a, a program with the intercontinental champion, it would be hard to go quickly into a program with the universal champion. Very true. Very true. So who knows? Uh, and again, kind of harkens back with some of the reports I've been reading uh, about the shows is that, you know, a lot of the stuff is getting finalized right up to about 30 minutes before the show starts. That's what we're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, and again, that's, it's rumor and speculation, you know, cause you never know how concrete and, and for real that is, but that's, that's pretty crazy if that's what's happening because yeah. you have a week in between shows and if it's taking you up to 30 minutes before the show to do it, there's got to be a better process to streamline yeah. that, I feel. but yeah. Well, and I think the writers are using it. It's just Vince changes his mind on the fly and then yeah. has them scrap everything. So I, I don't I don't think it's, you know, Bruce Pritchard or anybody under Bruce or, or anybody like that. I think it all comes down to Vince. True, true. I think he just wakes up like, you know, 
Friday morning. That looks at the card, reads the run. He's like, okay, okay. Then about 5 p.m., he's like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I don't like yeah. 95% of that. <laughs> right. Let's, let's change it up. Yeah. Uh, but that's another discussion for another day as well. Yeah. Uh, also happening on SmackDown, of course, we had um, a, a, a throwaway. T- and this, again, as we, we talk about, you know, Anna J and, you know, the number five contender uh, getting a title shot. You kind of get a mirror image somewhat of that in the tag division <laughs> on SmackDown as outcome Rudolph, uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler saying that they want another title match. They haven't won since they came back. <laughs> yeah. Why do they get put in? And I, well, I know why it's because unfortunately WWE doesn't seem to know how to do their tag division right uh, and give it depth. Um, but you know, they get into a match, they get a win so they can set up another title match. So now we're going to see this program. This is what, this is what I'm talking about. The, the programs that we just, we need diversity in that tag team division. And we see like the same four teams fighting for these championships all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have enough teams. We need more designated tag teams. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, it, you know, it used to be that way. I've talked about it before in the 80s when you had the Bulldogs and the Heart Foundation, the Rockers and the Young Stallions and the Conquistadors and Demolition and the Powers of Pain. It, it went on and on and on. Um, and they had less TV time and somehow got all of those tag teams over mm-hmm. and everybody knew who all of them were. So it can be done. It, we've historically heard over and over and over for so long that Vince doesn't think tag team wrestling is a draw. Uh you know, depends on how you present it. Mm-hmm. If you present it the way you're presenting it, it's not going to be much of a draw, although the New Day are a draw. Yes. Um, and I think the Street Profits can be a draw. It's hard to say right now with no crowds. But right. I, can be. I tell you, I was at Elimination Chamber in 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 February, or maybe it was February, March, March, early March, and um, their entrance was the most fun entrance I've ever been a part of at Elimination yeah. Chamber. They yeah. they have a way with the audience, and so it it kind of, they they don't need the audience, but they definitely get a boost from having an audience. And so I'm um, I'm curious once the audiences get back, whenever that is, um, to see how how the street profits are are over. Yeah, uh, I and I I love their entrance. I think the crowd really digs them, um, and I think they were over before crowds went away and i think they'll be over when they get back yeah. um to the point i guess is what, what i'm getting at is are they going to get over to the point where they become a draw true now that that will be what we have to wait and see i think they could but will mm-hmm. they? i think they have potential i think the problem with the tag team wrestling right now in wwe is again they don't have those designated teams it's mm-hmm. like you have all this talent when you go back and you look at the performance center and nxt and you could be pulling some teams up to solidify more uh, a better tag team division. And the problem is, is you know they get these teams that get popular, and then a year, two years down the road, they're just breaking them up. Yeah. Like the point is, they're just to get the singles wrestler so they can highlight somebody in the breakup. You know, Otis and and um, Tucker uh, Tucker mm-hmm. getting broken up, and now. Tucker's basically in obscurity and yeah, Otis gets destroyed with a chair. It's like, and yeah. lost his money in the bank briefcase. It's like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's, 
but hopefully they'll get it on track. Um, I really, really hope. Um, we get uh, some Buddy Murphy coming out. Going to be uh, facing as a King Corbin, I believe. Yeah, and I, I like that Corbin <laughs> kind of finally said what everybody was thinking. Why are you guys trusting Murphy? This guy tried to blind you. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, did we just forget about the fact that he kind of took your eye? Yeah, uh, <laughs> he got it back. Yeah, he got it back. But you know, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Although, I mean, I like Buddy Murphy. I love, I like his matches. Um, Let me tell you, I, I've, I've, he's growing on me. I, I've had a little bit of trouble with Buddy. I got irked when he was in Two Hundred Five Live because. There is no chance that dude weighed 205 pounds or less. Yeah. None. No chance. So I just felt like he was lying to me every week and thinking I was stupid enough to believe it. <laughs> um, and I know it wasn't him. And I know I'm being unreasonable, but it just, it really annoyed me um, to the point. I mean, he was champion. I think that's really what got me when he, when he won the title, I was like, come on, this is ridiculous. Um, but uh, a little too much leg slapping for me too. I think he needs to pull back on that. True. But he's definitely growing on me. And I, I, I enjoy him more now than I ever have. Yeah. I'm real interested to see where this storyline goes. Yeah. Like, you know, I hope that they have a plan for it. <laughs> I hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's not like, well, we don't know where we're going with it. We'll maybe in a week we'll get an idea. I hope it's not that. I hope there is some goal that they have worked out for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, just happy to see Corbin calling people out. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Um, Again, I will uh, a special little call out to the part that made me laugh was the little uh, Carmella uh, segment in the back, and then the hand comes in front of her and then gets twisted so you can see it has the boss yeah. knuckle duster on there, and then she just gets her butt kicked. Yeah. Um, but hey, good way to to keep the tension and get this feud going. Of course, Carmella getting the sneak attacks in on Sasha in weeks prior. Yeah, uh, Sasha had to get one over on her. Yeah, um, but and I mean, I think. Carmella has come a long way from being just the queen of uh was it called queen of Staten Island back in the yeah. NXT days. Yeah. Um and now you know where she was champion for a while and her in-ring work has improved greatly, I feel. Yeah. Um, I, I miss her pairing with our truth. I loved those through I, I was very sad when that had to end. But... Dance break. Yes. There's again pure entertainment. It's yeah. pure entertainment. Um, anything, anything else on SmackDown you want to highlight that I've missed? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, we're going to jump from SmackDown and see what's happening over on Raw. Of course, this just took place uh, two nights ago. Um, and the show, what do you think overall? I thought it was pretty, I Actually, I, 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 for the most part, I enjoyed it. I did too. I thought it was a better show than we've had in the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um. A few uh, call-outs from the show. Uh, of course, we had the triple threat match setting up who was going to be the number one contender uh, for Drew McIntyre at uh, TLC. And I thought it was a pretty decent match between AJ, Keith Lee, and Riddle. Matt Riddle. <laughs> and I, I do like Matt Riddle backstage, man. He's just, he just talks so much nonsense. It just makes me laugh. He, I, I buy it. I almost feel like... I. Remember, I know you remember 30 Rock. Yes. Yeah. My my theory is that to make 30 Rock, all they did was follow around Tracy Morgan with a camera 
and record him and then just write a show around whatever he said or did. And I get the <laughs> same feeling about Matt Riddle. Like, I feel like Matt Riddle's just talking and just being himself backstage and that he really did name his turtle. What, what, do, you, what do you say it was? Jumpy or Hoppy? Hoppy. Um, Hoppy. <laughs> I believe that. Um, and even that made me chuckle. Like, I can't name him Hoppy. I already named my turtle that. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I, I buy what they're doing with Matt Riddle because I feel like that's that's probably how he actually is. Yes. Um, I I will say I, I'm i not upset that AJ won because uh, I like AJ Styles a lot, but I was kind of hoping for something new. And 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 for either Riddle or Keith Lee to to take that match to be the number one contender, um, again not huge disappointment, but that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, I get you want to keep the dynamic of, you know, more of a heel versus babyface for the match, uh, and not face versus face. But I would have preferred that. What about you? Mm, they went exactly the way I would have gone. Okay, at least with these three. Um, they seem to be doing a slow burn on Sheamus. And so I yes. think we will get to the Sheamus program that we were talking about before. So if if the three options were Riddle, Keith Lee, and AJ, um, not only did they go with the winner that I would have gone with, he also beat the person I would have had him beat. I wouldn't have done Riddle yet because he's too new. Okay. Um, and he's a face, but he's also too too new. I don't think he has the credibility with the casual audience yet to, to warrant a... A WWE title match um, and I wouldn't have gone with Keith Lee um, also because he's too new and he's either going to have to win the belt or lose the match and I don't think he's ready for either of those yet Okay. and uh, I also don't think that AJ should have beaten Keith Lee in that match and he didn't uh, Riddle can take a pin and it's not going to hurt him that much um, Keith Lee getting pinned right now I think would hurt his credibility a lot so they win exactly and then it's AJ's not a new challenger, but this is a new pairing with Drew and AJ. And so it's something we haven't seen on a, on a high profile scale before. And so, um, and AJ is someone who can help solidify the credibility of Drew's reign. I think his first reign for me, Drew McIntyre's first WWE title reign was the least interesting WWE title reign in the belts history. Um, that's everybody. I'm talking Jinder Mahal. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking Bob Backlund's, three-day rain um the least interesting i've ever seen and so i think this can help give him credibility by beating someone that nobody denies is is excellent and who is a former champion and who could believably maybe take the title from him and so i think it's a great pairing and and good to start out a second title reign and hopefully a, a, a better title reign yeah i will say i loved everything that happened after that i mean even though i I love the match anyway but as far as being slightly disappointed in aj winning but then where they went with it from there i thought was brilliant Mm -hmm. uh the interaction with the miz and morrison and him being like you know what oh hey yeah no let's get this done because i'd much rather beat you for the title right (laughs) drew mcintyre i thought that was just pun intended phenomenal um (laughs) but yeah and actually I'm going to throw a little a little call out just because it is related um, to Impact Wrestling. Not last night's episode, but a week ago. Um, they promised, uh, basically Carl Anderson came out and promised uh, a phenomenal opponent 
for uh, whoever they're feuding with. I can't think of right now. Um, and and he was like, you know, this opponent is phenomenal. And then the video package starts. It's AJ Styles music from Impact. It even says phenomenal AJ Styles. And there's Swoggle <laughs> dressed up like AJ. And he's got the mom haircut, the soccer mom cut that everybody says AJ has right. as well. It was beautiful. It was hilarious. Um, <laughs> he's getting a lot of work. Yeah. Hey, he's everywhere, man. Yeah. Hey, Swoggle's working. You can't say nothing bad, man. He's getting that paycheck. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, back to AJ. Then, of course, we have the tag match uh, later in the night with um, uh, McIntyre and uh, Sheamus versus The Miz and Morrison, AJ on commentary. And, uh, you know, ended in a, a non-finish, but then AJ's trying to get him to cash in, cash in. And there's a lot of arguing here, which I don't know made sense. <laughs> if you're The Miz, don't you want to cash it in and get the title and beat this guy up? And it seemed like he was stalling. Well, yeah, uh, but we've also seen Drew McIntyre get up from everything. That's true. So he and he did. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was a Miz, I wouldn't have been convinced that it was the time either. Like he beat. They showed him last. Uh, they showed him on Monday that is beating Brock Lesnar in five minutes, and so you know it's going to take more than than that to keep him down for a three count. So I I kind of get it based on the booking we've seen for Drew. I did like um, the AJ flipping over the top rope onto and I can't I can never remember his name the bodyguard um oh yeah his name is new and uh he's a new name up on his uh shoulders and aj just talking all that mess while being right. carried around if he didn't have me up here i'd come down there and whoop you but yeah. like that to me harkened back to Shawn michaels and diesel yeah and that dynamic and i and of course i love diesel and kevin nash one of my favorites all time and Shawn michaels as well and so i loved getting that nostalgia feel I think that's probably what they're going for too. I think so too. Um, But yeah, great stuff. Uh, Also on raw, we did want to talk about um, a wardrobe malfunction uh, of sorts and interested to see, you know, where this is going. Uh, We get retribution in a match uh, against, well, not the whole retribution, but um, slapjack. Oh, uh, um, okay. Uh, ricochet yeah and i will say and i want to actually i did want to say about this i think that little backstage promo that ricochet did just straight to the camera was the best promo he's had in the company yeah i think so too it didn't feel forced it didn't feel scripted it just felt conversational and real and it's the first time i've been like okay that's that's i'm kind of taking the guy seriously i kind of liked it i liked it a lot actually um then we get to the match, and of course, Retribution's at ringside. You get Dana Brooke coming out, smacking uh, Mustafa Ali and Mustafa. Mustafa. Well, they kept going back. One guy called him Mustafa, and then other people calling him Mustafa. It's Mustafa. <laughs> but it is Mustafa? No, no, no long U. It's a soft U. Mustafa. 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 Mustafa Ali. Yes. Um, and smacking him, asking, you know, where's your girl? Where's Reckoning? Which, of course, set up that match later on in the night, uh, Reckoning versus Dana Brooke. And this match was, what, three minutes? 
Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. A quick match, and in like the very beginning of the match, she swipes at her face, and the mask comes off. Yeah. Yeah. Who could it be? Who who could it yeah, be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Let let's let's talk about that first of all. The mask was doing nothing. Yes. Uh, Mia Mia Yim was easily the most recognizable under the mask of the whole group. Anyway, mm-hmm. her mask was a was probably not even as useful as Hulk Hogan's Mister America Max mask. Um, it, and so, but my my what I loved is the mask comes off, and they just pretend it doesn't happen they just don't they they acted like they walked in on one of their family members in the bathroom they just didn't mention it they just pretended it never happened we're not going to acknowledge this who's mia yim we don't know a mia yim Mm. and (laughs) they just didn't acknowledge it at all and yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what i would have done i probably would have acknowledged it because everybody saw it it's not like it's not like them not acknowledging it is going to convince us that it didn't happen um so but i've not i still don't understand if the members of reckoning are supposed to be the actual like is she actually supposed to be mia yim in a mask or was she supposed to be somebody else not related to mia yim at all yeah, it's like the the theory that I wanted to see happen was because when Ali came on, I'm not gonna mess with this first name, <laughs> and and was a part of Retribution. You know, he said that I wanted them to wear the mask to teach them a lesson, and like you know maybe at, at some point they could earn their freedom from the mask and then regain their actual names. Like I think that could have been a good storyline beat that you could have used. Um, you know, you could have used like Slapjack beating Ricochet and then have him unmask. And then, um, and I forget the name of the wrestler as Slapjack, the real guy, Shane uh, Thorne. Shane Thorne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could have been Shane Thorne going on from there, you know? So I, uh, there's, there's ways I, I think they, I would have liked them to do it again. I'm not a writer for WWE. I'm this is just my theorizing and, what I think would be better, but doesn't mean it would be. Um, but I would have liked to have seen something like that. And it's very odd with the booking because we had heard rumors that Reckoning was going to be built up to be an opponent for Asuka. But now it looks like that's going a different direction, which we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Uh, so they have her lose and and you've got Ali sitting there saying there is no failure in retribution. Does that mean she's going to get kicked out? Yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, they definitely want us asking that question. Yes. So uh, if if that was the goal, they've they've they reached their goal. Yeah. They got us asking that question. I tell you what, though, I I love Mustafa Ali, and I love the work that he's been doing. And I've mentioned this to you off the air, and now I'm going to mention it on the air. I think he would be an excellent WWE champion. I think if I was booking, I would do some long term planning and have him win the title next summer. I wouldn't do it at WrestleMania yet. I'd have him get some other sort of high profile victory at WrestleMania and uh, let them do whatever else they want to do with the title of WrestleMania. But I, I would build it up and build it up and build up his credibility as a leader and as someone who can manipulate people into helping him win matches. Um, and and build up, but also build up his credibility as someone who might be able to get the job done on his own. I just need that little extra help to beat someone like Drew just a little bit. Um, 
and he 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 can talk. He's got a, a cool. He's just such a classic um, cult of personality type heel, and uh, we've seen a lot like that. And he's he's so good at it, and I think he's having fun with it too. I would love to see him as WWE champion. Uh, I don't disagree. I and like I say, we've talked about this before. I think that would be a good choice. Um, you know, if they play it right, I think it could be tremendous. Uh, but again, it kind of starts with, they've got to start booking retribution better. Um, I think as long as they book him, well, it's okay. At least if we're talking about his prospects as a champion or something like that. True. If, if reckoning is actually supposed to be Mia Yim, then yes, I'm with you. But if Reckoning is just supposed to be someone who eventually is going to be expendable and then Mia Yim is going to show up as Mia Yim, then okay. I don't yep. think it matters. It just depends on what their plan is with the other members. Yeah. What, what is their purpose? What Are they just serving the storyline based around Mustafa Ali? Or are they supposed to have their own credibility too? True. And that I think that's the confusion because, you know, it seemed like Retribution was pretty much dead and buried and then Ali came on board and it gave it that shot of rejuvenation it needed and to make it kind of relevant. And I just hope that they don't lose that. Right. I hope we don't go down that same, that same road. Um, moving on. Um, excuse me. Uh, we did mention Lana and Oscar and we had another match this time. Again, a rematch basically. And you had Lana getting the pin over Shayna. <laughs> I, I thought this was fine because it wasn't La- Lana didn't beat Shayna. Lana got a three count on Shayna, but it was Oscar that beat Shayna. Right. And so I was fine with it. And I mean, it was a very simple, it was a knee to the base of the neck. It looked like I, that would keep me down for a good 10 seconds. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah. But I, I bought it. I bought it. Um, and so I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe Lana beat Shayna. Now that's what Shayna is supposed to be saying because Shayna's a heel. So the character of Shayna Baszler should be saying that. But come on, folks. I mean, you, you saw how the match played out. It was it was Asuka beating Shayna. It wasn't Lana beating Shayna. Lana got the official victory. But it's not like Lana overpowered Shayna Baszler and held her down for a three. Uh, so I, I liked it and it continued the story of of Lana getting one over on Naya, which is, which is, so there, there are two things going on here, right? There's Shayna's confidence being crippled. And then there's also Lana finally turning the tables, sorry, tables, um, week after week now on, on Naya. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought it was well thought out, well booked. Yeah, no, actually I liked it. Um, and I'm interested to see this because uh, it looks like we're leading into TLC. And instead of having Asuka defend the women's title, which I mean, she still could. Asuka's pulled double duty on many, many pay-per-view before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like we're going to get a, a tag team title defense with Asuka and Lana challenging for it. And I, I don't know that you can have them lose at this point. It just, I don't know if that makes sense. So I think we're going to get, you know, Oscar two belts and Lana with the title. <laughs> I, I think that would be the most likely scenario, unless it was a disqualification or something like that. Well, you that's could, true. Yeah. Well, and, and what people are theorizing is that this is going to be a tables match because we are mm-hmm. in TLC. 
Oh yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. Um, I didn't think that far ahead, but yeah, that would make perfect sense. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, this would be a good payoff to have, you know, Lana cause Naya to go through a table. Yes. And a good payoff to that. That almost has to happen in some way. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make the match, you know, final, like it happens and a ref doesn't see it or something like that. But Naya has got to go through a table. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, and we're going to segue from that into another table breaking spot. And one of the scariest moments in recent memory that I can recall watching a spot live uh, during a show. And that was during the symphony of destruction match between Jeff Hardy and Elias. And I mean, this was all over the place anyway. Uh, chair this shot. This was a fun match. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff. Uh, sorry, Elias uh, hit Jeff right right in the ass with a guitar. Yeah, it, it was like, like if if J.K. Simmons' character of Fletcher from Whiplash was a wrestler, that's what he would do. <laughs> I agree. Like, and then he'd be he'd be yelling that they messed up the timing. <laughs> Tremendous movie. Go watch Whiplash. Just FYI. Um, but yeah, and I, the R Truth and the twenty four seven title <laughs> yeah. involvement, and then them just giving clotheslines and chair shots—not uh, chair shots. Keep saying chair shots, but guitar shots to the people running down. Yeah, um, there was an electrocution. The electrocution, the <laughs> bassoon shot, right? <laughs> and then he puts him on a table where the steps are, puts a bunch of like violins and whatever on top of him, goes to the top. And does a swanton and whips his head back into the second steel step. And I cringed so hard. It was scary. I mean, from all indications we've read, there is no injury. He is fine. But at the time, I was amazed I didn't see blood just start gushing. Yeah, or or, or broken neck. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was brutal looking. It was scary. Ugh. It's like, I know he's a daredevil and I know it's part of the appeal of Jeff Hardy, but pick some smarter spots, man. <laughs> yeah. It did somehow not need to be does. in front of the ring steps. Yeah. Why couldn't that have been around the side a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was too tight a space, but you know, he does what he does. That's yeah. What, that's what he's always done. Something that caught my attention before this match, when they were going through the history between the two, there was angle development on main event. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are they making main event relevant or was this just an anomaly? Are we going to have to start watching main event every week now? I, that's just another show of wrestling to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Part of me, part of me is like, yes, make all your shows relevant and matter. Yeah. And the other part's like, I don't have enough time in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what day it draws. I know it's on Hulu. Is it Thursday or Friday? I think it's thursdays okay because i don't think they would drop it on friday since smackdown's on friday yeah so i think thursdays is its drop time yeah i'll have to look i'm gonna watch it this week and see see if uh i mean we'll we'll be seeing people wrestle who we don't get to see wrestle on the main shows anyway that's true and so you know that'll be good it's kind of like because like i wish i had enough time to watch AEW dark right week as well but again it's just there's not enough time in the week to fit all this wrestling in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, something else that's on Thursdays, NXT UK. That's right. Good lead in. Uh, and of course, we're going to be talking about A Kid and winning. Uh, I got to make sure I get the name right. 
the Heritage Cup trophy. Yes, the Heritage Cup trophy. Yeah, over um, Trent Seven. Um, big surprise, at least to me. I didn't think a kid was was going to win from the beginning of the tournament. I like Dave Mastiff. I was hoping Dave Mastiff was going to pull it off, and he, he didn't even make it to the final. But um, even between, being between a kid and Trent Seven, I, I thought Trent Seven was going to take it. So um, now this was under British round rules, uh, which is unusual if you're not familiar. Six rounds. All all the matches in the tournament were like this. They were six rounds, three minutes each, twenty second rest period between each round. Two out of three falls. If there's a fall in a round, the round ends, then you get your 20 second rest. And then the next three minute round begins. And so, uh, and you win a round by pin submission or count out. If there's a disqualification or a knockout, the match is over. That's it. If you're, if you're disqualified or you're knocked out, you lose two out of three falls thrown out. Um, so it kind of complicated, um, but, you know, it was something different. It was something fun to watch. And I, that could be a huge thing for, for a kid. He's, yeah. um, you know, he's a, he's kind of a high flyer type, uh, type guy, very dynamic. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes for him. Yeah, no, um, very interesting. And I, those rules are very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, very complicated, but interesting all the same. They sound like something I would come up with. <laughs> I, I, I like me, my rules, Tim. <laughs> Well, as Shawn Michaels said, you make the rules and we will break them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels and my students. Yes. <laughs> Ooh. I Real cut a life. promo. I cut a promo. You saw the promo. Oh, I, cut. I did. I did. This man, and, okay. All right. We're not going to go into the details uh, as that would be a little unprofessional, but this man cut a promo that, I mean, was just scathing and delicious and awesome all in the same, like, I would be terrified if I was one of your students, <laughs> I'm just saying if I was in that position that they were in and the reason that you were cutting that promo. Yes. Um, yes. Tremendous though. Uh, we'll try to make it available as a bonus sometime in like the next 50 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, once you all get us to the point where this is our job, we'll, we'll put it on uh, you know, Patreon or something. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we need you to do it. If you want to see it, if you want to see that promo, you need to share, like, subscribe, tell all your friends, tell all the wrestling fans you know about our podcast. That's what you need. You do that, get us to that point, and then I'll, I'll put it up. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, going into some some proper NXT here, of course, uh, Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly, that ladder match to uh, decide who's going to have the advantage coming up at War Games. Good match, not without its interference, of course. Uh, you knew it was going to happen. There was... You know, and you got the Undisputed Era, and then you've got uh, Pat McAfee's gaggle of bastards. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Uh, bastards are measure, measured in gaggles. Yes, yes. A murder of crows and a gaggle of bastards. Yeah. Um, but I, I love this feud. I love these two factions, stables, whatever you want to call them, going at it. I think it's going to be a tremendous war games match. Of course, uh, Pete Dunn via a little bit of help ends up winning and gets the advantage uh, for team McAfee. So, I want a Pete Dunn, Finn Balor program. That's ooh, what I want. That would be tremendous. That really, that's what I want. Very, very I want good. that. I want that championship program. That's what I, I'm hoping comes out of this. I hope so too. That would be amazing. Um, also, 
setting up a match at war games we had and I, this is a fun moment i i liked it with um leon ruff and the ko show of course uh kevin owens uh helping fill in for some commentary and also doing the ko show and you can tell he's just having fun out there yeah you know just being kevin yeah and um I love because it, it and it was it was so part of it was kind of formulaic and there was a little bit of uh, I think some some cue mishaps because <laughs> if you notice the pause between like you know Johnny Gargano pause and then Johnny's music hits it's like yeah, yeah we know he's coming let's just you don't have to well, stop and, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier too even whether that was deliberate or not Kevin made it work yeah he's about the only one who could at least in that way so I just yeah yeah. The, just telling us what was it's going back to the commentary I was talking about earlier. They never tell you what's going to happen. If they say something's going to happen, it doesn't. And then he flipped the script on it and told us what was going to happen. And it happened. And so, yep. yeah, I love that kind of stuff from Kevin. Yeah, it was, it was great. And then of course, uh, Gargano comes out, says the only reason rough beat him was because of um, what's his name. Uh, <laughs> Damien priest, Damien priest. I'm having trouble with names today. Every day, every week I have trouble with names. That's how it is. Um, Damien Priest comes out predictably, and then I like Kevin going, like, "Man, we need Teddy Long to come out here." Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and then Regal comes out and gives us a little bit of Teddy. Yeah, he threw in that player, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which again just made me giggle. Yeah, and smile so big. I love William Regal as the the GM. He's he's been doing it for so long. Usually, GMs don't last as long as he has, but he's perfect for it. He is. and yeah, just great, great stuff. Tonight uh, we've got uh, Shotzi versus Raquel in a ladder match for the oh uh, yes advantage. for the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That match is shaping up to be pretty, pretty good. Lots of ladder matches lately. Yeah, uh, hopefully we don't get into an overuse of it, but mm-hmm. um, I do we like it to, when it's done well, though. Radio and Candice too. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of. Our war games, uh, well, before we get to there, though, as we're setting up because of that advantage, we do have to talk about uh, the match between uh, Candace and Ember. Yes. Yes. Candace and Ember uh, having a match. And, of course, you had uh, like Indy Hartwell getting involved and then coming down to seemingly make the save was none other than tony storm and then we get the heel turn didn't see it coming didn't see it coming and it's it was done very very well and it kind of solidifies their war games team uh with uh indy hartwell tony storm uh raquel raquel and candace uh, candace and not dakota kai um yeah dakota kai yeah dakota kai is in there yeah um and uh, Shotzi Blackheart's gonna have uh looks like um EO right Rhea Rhea, Rhea Ember, Ember and are we missing one? Yes, one not not to be named yet. Have <laughs> they have they and they, they haven't formed they they formally announced Ember. Okay. Um yeah, we're blanking at the moment. Yeah. I don't it's remember just, them announcing someone else, but no, but that could be tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So who do you think it could be if I they had, I, I, I'm thinking there's somebody obvious, but um, 
yeah, I'm I'm blanking on it at the moment. But the the Tony Storm heel turn heel turn uh, could be what she needs to kind of launch her. It, it's much easier to get over as a heel mm-hmm. than as a face. And I've never seen Tony as a heel. I'm not saying she hasn't been one because she's been all over the place, and I haven't seen everything she's done. But um, I haven't seen her as a heel, so I'm interested. I'm interested to see uh, how she does. I think she's going to be great. Yes, I agree. I like I like Tony Storm a lot. I think her turning heel is exactly what she needed, um, and this can give a good jumping off point and give her uh, some prominent spotlight. I would love to see the program with EO and Tony. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, again, we say it all the time. The women's division in NXT overfloweth with awesomeness. Yeah. Um, so Team I, Candace right now is Candace, Dakota, Raquel, and Tony. Okay. I, I feel like we listed five people. Um, we did because we did. We we listed Indy Hartwell. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm sure she'll be involved. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then we've got Shotzi, Ember, Rhea, and presumably EO. But we're not. It'd be weird for EO to be on the team and not the leader being the champion. That's true. I wonder if maybe they'll set up a championship match tonight. Or, I mean, they may uh, not. Maybe but, they but just she won't was, be a... Yeah, but she was involved in, in all the stuff in the angle last week. So it, she's a natural fit for it based on the storyline. It would just be odd for Shotzi to be leading the team when he is the champion. True, true. Doesn't but, mean it won't happen, though. Yeah, doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, we'll get a, uh, a returning surprise one-off with Kyrie Sane as the fifth member. <laughs> yeah, that won't happen. I yeah, wish. it won't happen. As much as we would like it to, it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit just about War Games and preview what's coming up. Of course, we were just talking about the uh, the female War Games match, and we know the men's War Games match already. Um, we have the triple threat for the North American title. Um, that match. Oh, the strap match. And yes, Cameron Dexter Grimes, Loomis and yeah. straight to the moon, Cameron Grimes, baby. He he's like a Looney Tunes character. Who he is. Shoot. He is. Uh, yeah, he's so over the top. I I'm I have he, I've yet to warm up to his act, but he's maybe a someday. grown up Yosemite Sam. Yeah, with a hat, with a with top a hat instead of a cowboy hat. Yeah. Um. So Dexter wins that. I mean, let's be serious. Yeah, I just I don't see. Uh, any way that he doesn't, yeah. Although it would, it, it would cripple him. <laughs> it would, it you would, would think, yeah, because they've been building. He's just been this monster. For Cameron to somehow get some kind of decisive victory, especially in this a gimmick strap match, yeah, wouldn't make a lot of sense. Unless there's some sort of outside interference or something. Yeah, that, but, unless you're going to set up. If you're going to set up like Loomis's next feud against somebody right. more intimidating, more imposing, then maybe you use that. But yeah, I think Loomis takes this. If you easily. want something fun, by the way, if you want something fun to watch, I don't know if you can still find them, but uh, see if you can find some of Dexter Loomis's cameos that he did before oh, wow. <laughs> before WWE made them stop doing cameos. They are tremendous. Oh, he's okay. in character, in oh. character, doing his cameos. <laughs> Okay, let's let, let that's a good. I'm going to jump off on just a real wild tangent. Did you see some of the cameos that uh, the Undertaker was doing for people? Oh, no, I heard about them, but no, I didn't see them. For those who don't know, they were charging. I think it was like a thousand bucks a pop. It was a thousand bucks. Yep. And 
he did them in character and some of the things that he was doing like the dead man you know, happy graduation <laughs> and just, and just <laughs> way, way to go at work you're the number one sales guy you know it just some of it's so odd if you can track those down some of them are comedy gold um it's just amazing and you're having a rough day i hope you had lunch did you eat a pear make sure to get enough sleep so you can rest in peace <laughs> ridiculous yeah, i'm definitely gonna look that up that's great yeah no it was it was, it was awesome okay so uh, any other matches between besides those four that we know of right now uh no those four are the only four announced right now but we need to call we, no not yet not, okay. not as of this recording. Okay. Uh, we'll see. But we need to call the other three. Yep. Right? So triple threat. Who you got? Triple threat. Uh, I, I really want Leon to hold on to it. I I'm don't, with you. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is where the Leon Ruff experiment comes to an end. Um, and I think I am going to put my money on Damian Priest. I'm calling Leon. I think somehow Damian and Johnny incapacitate each other. And Leon gets a gets a quick fall on probably Johnny. Again, that's what yeah. I'm hoping for. I just I I somehow think that this is the end for him, but hope not. Hope not. I liked what I liked what they've been doing so far. Um, yeah. So you say Leon, I'm saying Priest. No love for Johnny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so let's move on to the men's war game match. I. Well, who you got? I, I've got I've got Pat McAfee's. I think so too. I think uh, yeah. with the way they're building them, they definitely need it more. Yeah, um, they're they're new. Um, Pete Dunn's just come back. Uh, they're heels, so they can find some way to to get an unfair advantage and and get. Yeah, I, I think Pat McAfee's group wins. I, I I I agree. I think they're going to win. And like I say, I hope this you know gets us down the road to Pete Dunn and finn balor mm-hmm. i think that was going to be a tremendous program maybe for the takeover around wrestlemania time if you can build it that long that would be awesome yeah. um but uh okay so both of us going team mcafee all yeah. right gaggle of bastards for the win all right uh so now uh women's war game match this one i think i think it's got to go shotzi steam yeah yeah, I, I think I the faces have to have this win, especially when you look at uh, probably uh, McAfee winning, his team winning. So you got the heels winning there, but the faces win there. Um, I think it makes sense. I, I want to see EO versus Tony. Yeah, and again, we can get this will give us a good, nice little setup because we'll get to see some little interactions. And this is, you yeah. know, if crowds were able to come legitimate crowds not just you know other performance center hopefuls you know there but like real crowds for nxt again it would give be a great match to have a gauge of who they wanted to see take on who next based on the interactions in the war games um yeah so yeah i i I really do want that tony and eo program uh again I want to call it right now, even though she even said, you know, I'm not going anywhere yet. I think this is Rhea's last match in NXT. I think uh, we'll see. I think after this match, calling that for a while. True. Well, I said I was calling. She was going up, but I, I, I'm definitively saying 
this will be the last one. I think. Okay. I, I think she's part of this. They get the victory. Yay. She maybe shows up on NXT, but no more matches, even if, you know, just kind of a farewell thing. And then I think they save her and she comes out in the women's rumble. And then from then on out is part of main roster. Like Sounds either SmackDown or Raw. That That's just my, that's, well, that's mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I think Shotzi's team wins. Definitely. Who do you yeah. think gets the final pinfall? Good question. Um, I'm going to say, sh- um, I'm, it's, it's obvious. It would be the most obvious way to go, but I think, I think Shotzi pins Candace. Okay. Yeah. No, I see that. Think. Uh, yeah. Think Tony might pin EO to set that up. Be a way to do well, it. Well, but then the heels would have to win. So since I'm not calling the heels to win, I'm going to say no. Oh, that's right. It's not elimination, is it? No. No. Hmm. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I got confused there. I'm thinking elimination style, and it's not. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. No. I think. Yeah. yeah no. Shotzi. I think because I do think the faces win, and I think the most likely is Shotzi over. Candace. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's our preview of War Games. Um, can't wait. It's going to be a great show on Sunday. It always is. Takeover consistently is one of the best um, pay per view quotation marks events that they do. And it's Sunday on the network. Definitely check it out. Um, anything else you want to add for the show this week, my man? I think that's about it for me. All right. Well, we're going to do as we always do. We're going to close out with the one thing we loved uh, from this past week. Not the one thing, but a one thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Not the, you're right. Not the one thing, but one thing that we did love. Um, and for me, I'll start this week, and it's uh, it's John Silver on AEW. Uh, Long John Silver, <laughs> as some people call him, uh, part of the Dark Order. I've just really enjoyed this guy's work lately. Um, he reminds me of, you could say, kind of a young Taz as far as being that sawed off, just kind of beast because he's 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 ripped and built like a just a brick house, but he's tiny. He's short um, and he's had some really energetic matches and like and he's got some comedy he throws in there, too. Like he wrestled Hangman Adam Page this past week and he comes out and basically kind of starts the match with like a pose off. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. It was just funny. Yeah. yeah. I dug it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really like uh, John Silver and be keeping an eye on him. I like his work. All right. For me, I already mentioned it, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention it again. I, I loved Moxley and the silhouette showing up behind Kenny Omega. That little moment was just, <laughs> it, it, it was perfect. It was perfectly done. And, and whoever thought of that was, was on their game that day. Uh, and getting to see that little bit of a brawl just in shadow before they came through tearing through the, uh, the partition there. Yeah. I, I, that, that was my favorite little, one of my favorite little moments of the past week. So surprise an AEW one. Yeah. Two AEW ones. Yeah. Both of us. So yeah. awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this week, guys. Uh, we'll be back, of course, uh, same time next week. And, um, you know, be on the lookout. We're going to be hopefully adding some more bonus content in future weeks. 
Uh, and you know, send us some send us some suggestions, like what kind of bonus content you'd like to see or hear. Excuse me, not see. Well, I mean, you can see it, but it's just a a time bar going by right now. Uh, you can see my promo if you get us to the point where this is our job. That's like, true. share, subscribe. That's right. Like, share, and subscribe. Of course, you'll hear the tag in just a second on the outro. But hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, and uh, have a good one out there. It's getting colder around the country. Bundle up, stay warm, and watch some good wrestling. Stay positive, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Plus WrestleCast. That's P L U S W R E S T L E C A S T. On Twitter at Plus WrestleCast. You can also find me at Timothy K and Steven at Bizarro Doom. Also, search for us on Facebook by just typing in Positively Wrestling. We hope you enjoy the show and we'll tune back in for many, many weeks to come. Thanks for listening to Positively Wrestling. <laughs>